Shelly Lyle. And I'm Brian Avery. And welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast brought to you by the Department of Sport Management at the University of Florida. This podcast was created to share the career journeys of sport industry professionals. Our hope is that you learn the ins and outs of different sport industry professions. We are excited to be with all of you this week and with our special guest, Brandon Curran. Brandon is the Vice President of the NBA Player Marketing and Business Development at Catalyst Sports and Media. So Brandon double majored in business administration and communications and media at the University of California in Berkeley. He has completed multiple internships with companies such as Creative Arts Agency, CBS Interactive, and IMG. He worked for the Golden State Warriors in activation and game day operations. He also worked for community in strategy and business development and relativity media. Uh, as the assistant to Happy Walters before taking a position with Catalyst Sports and Media. Brand is currently the Vice President of NBA Player Marketing and Business Development at Catalyst Sports and Media and the founder of Social Chair. Welcome. Awesome. Welcome. It's great to be here. And I love that introduction. It got me pumped up. <laughs> good. That countdown will get you, right? With the fight song and everything. That's great. <laughs> Well, Brandon, we're so excited to have you. Um, we can't wait to hear kind of your career journey. We know with sport agents um, and working in a sport agency uh, is so coveted. I think in our in our world of um, you know academia, there's a lot of students interested in your field, even just the marketing piece of it. So we're so excited to hear a little bit more. So if you want to start with just sharing your career journey, maybe starting with college, and then how you knew you wanted to be uh, working in sports um, in, in the sport agency world in particular. Yeah, so it actually started in high school. Um, so I grew up in Los Angeles playing high school basketball. And this was a time when um, like Los Angeles was really going through like a renaissance in terms of their players. So I played against guys like Drew Holiday, uh, De DeMar DeRozan, um, Solomon Hill. And this is when you had guys like Russell Westbrooks and James Hardens and Clay Thompson. So it was a really good time. And that's when I kind of really fell in love with the space. And then I realized, well, I'm not going to be able to go to the NBA. So what is my next best option and that's like oh i'll just work at a sports agency and i really didn't know what that meant at the time i mean this was way back when like entourage was on tv so everyone kind of had the understanding of what an agent does but the sports agency realm uh outside of jerry Maguire was really not that well established so i went to school in the bay area uc berkeley um i double majored in the undergraduate business school there and uh in media studies and quickly kind of learned um the coursework I was learning there was a lot of classes like financial accounting, managerial accounting. And I was like, well, for what I want to do, this isn't going to be like the most useful uh, information. So I was like, OK, I need to kind of just dive right in. So I immediately started um, I started working for the Cal Athletics Department. Uh, that was a really good experience. And then that led to something with the Golden State Warriors, which I would do during the nights during the week. So I would basically take the BART down to Oracle Arena. And it was funny because I would get paid for it, which was cool, but I would make like 40 bucks. But then the train ticket cost five and then I would have to eat dinner there, which was a hot dog. So that was another five. So I netted about $30. <laughs> um, but in college, you're definitely not complaining about that. Uh, and then after that, I did my first uh, internship at a traditional agency uh, where I interned at CAA in their sports group. Um, CAA is the largest sports agency. Um, they started as a talent agency. Uh, kind of in the way back in the 70s, actually. And they're one of the largest names. And that was a really good experience because they do all the major sports. So they do NFL, they do MLB, they do NBA, they do hockey, uh, they do golf, they do tennis. Uh, and then they also have their traditional agency arm, uh, which does um, kind of like 
it does various like like all your your movie stars your steven spielberg's directors like that so that was a really good experience to kind of open my eyes to what the agency world is um then i got back to school then i uh didn't uh did an internship with img college uh which is now since uh, merged with learfield i believe but uh this was img so that was cool because i got to work in like sponsorship management so i essentially like would do like recap recap reports uh, for the college teams. And that really gave them a lot more uh, insight. And then I worked, and this was something I was actually really smart. I'm smart. I'm did, I did was I worked for CBS interactive. So this was my first like non-sports internship. And I really do stress that to people because oftentimes when you're so um, focused on one area, it's all you do in terms of an experience. And uh, that works for other jobs, but sports is so small and so hard to get a job in that it's really kind of a risk put your eggs all into one basket. So there were times when I had doubt in my career, I was like, am I actually going to be able to get a job in sports? And then I was like, well, it's kind of hard to pivot now because when you take a look at my resume, it's sports, sports, sports. But I had this internship, which was in strategic partnerships and business development, which was a really good experience. And then after graduation, I worked at Wasserman uh, in their brand management group. So I worked with companies like Microsoft. That's when Microsoft first signed a deal with the NFL. That was a really good experience. Um, and it was kind of outside of what I'd done on the player side. That's more so where you work with the brand. So like I'm the agency of record for Microsoft. I'm actually deciding who we sponsor in terms of the NFL, what players we work with. Uh, and then from there, um, I actually, it was an interesting journey. I interviewed in February for a job at what was called Relativity Media at the time with the CEO. And I actually didn't get it. And I was pretty bummed about that, but then uh, like the uh, HR person was like, oh, I'll keep your resume on file. And like, we've all heard that a million times and it usually doesn't go anywhere. And then they actually did keep it on file. Um, and in July, they gave me a call back and they're like, hey, we have a uh, position opening for the second assistant to Happy Walters. And what was really cool about that is I already knew who Happy was just based on like being a fan of like just the agency space and just kind of working uh, with various guys. So I immediately was like all in on this job. So I started as his second assistant, uh, which was a really interesting experience because um, I never really had done like an assistant job before. So this is the pinnacle of not glamorous. This is like I'm answering phones. I'm preparing his office. Like I had to turn on ESPN every morning to the right channel, have that on, like have the fridge stocked, like schedule meetings, um, deal with the calls to the main line, which you get like a variety of people calling saying like, some wild things and you kind of have to judge like oh is this actually like do i let this person actually uh kind of talk to happy and you kind of act as that first barrier defense but what's really good about it is you you're kind of their right hand person so you really kind of learn a lot about who should be answering who should be answering calls who shouldn't who we're recruiting what's the dynamics between the different agents at the company so that was a really good um good but hard experience um i always tell people like um the one thing that always stuck with me is like his starbucks order and that's a venti skinny vanilla latte with an extra shot and like i will forever have that tattooed in my brain because i used to have to go get that every day and while i was in the middle of this job i kind of realized um this is actually pretty scary because if i don't um if i if i lost this job today i can only be an assistant somewhere else so i need to learn hard skills to actually kind of differentiate myself so I learned more about like PowerPoint um, and kind of building presentations and all that. And that helped me with recruiting. And then when we left to start Catalyst, I 
had hard skills to kind of fall back on. And when he no longer needed two assistants at the time, he just needed one. I was like, okay, I'm ready for this next role. And then from there, I really just kind of took it in stride. So I started doing all of our NBA player marketing and that was really small initially, like doing car dealership deals and small things like that with like Panini. And then I really, I just kept reaching out and networking and this is what really came down to. And then I started working with guys like De'Aaron Fox, um, Lonnie Walker, Landry Shaman, Amari Stoudemire. And those are really good experiences. And today I work with guys like um, Marcus Smart, John Wall, Iman Shumpert, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Romeo Langford, RJ Hampton, and more. So I essentially handle all their NBA player marketing and everything they do off the field so or off the court. So anything outside of their on the court is what I focus on. So that's getting them partnerships, deals with companies like Robinhood, Cash App, uh, Chipotle, uh, State Farm, Kellogg's, kind of any company you can think of. And then also like investment opportunities or building media uh, properties for them as well. So for like Darren Fox, I helped build his YouTube channel to about 255,000 subscribers. That was one of the hardest things I had to do. That took probably about a year and a half. And that's, I would say YouTube is a very hard medium to build, but it can be very worth it. And we ended up selling um, ended up selling a show to Cash App. So it was kind of like a day in the life type show or an interview type show. And that got sponsored by Cash App. So it ended up being worth it. But yeah, that's essentially um, my job and kind of a truncated version of my journey. Um, but we'd love to dive in deeper about any specific questions related to that. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, there's so many things. I remember looking at your as I'm creating your bio. I'm like, how many internships did Brandon do? But I think it was eleven. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I clearly did not list them all. I was like, I just he he's done a lot multiple. Yeah. <laughs> just highlighted a few, but I think um it speaks to your work ethic though, right? Because they weren't all year-long necessarily internships, but they were strategic in that you did in sport agencies when you could, and you also got um into an you know outside brands so you could diversify, which is really cool. So I am curious, you know, we do have students interested in, in organization sport agencies to do internships. How were you able to get that for those interested in pursuing even just an internship with an organization like CAA or Catalyst or any any kind of agency in general? Yeah. Um, so I would say first what they should know about the sports field is very small. Um, I think all you guys uh, kind of know that as well. And then the agency is even a smaller subset of that. I probably say there's less than 500 people in the U.S. who work at a sports agency. Uh, they're just really lean businesses. So it's very kind of hard. And unfortunately, if you kind of go through the traditional means of like, oh, I'll like apply on the website, they have like an info email. That's really not going to go anywhere. Uh, so really what your best bet is, unless you know somebody directly, is to kind of try to form those connections. So what I always tell students is that using LinkedIn will be your best friend. And there's multiple reasons. One, LinkedIn allows you to kind of see various people's journey. So similar to mine, let's say you wanted to do what I do. You can kind of like reverse engineer everything that I've done and seen what I've had to go through. Um, and then also it really gives you a network. So let's say there's a specific agency I want to work for, for example, I can type that in on LinkedIn and I don't work for LinkedIn. I know I sound like I work for LinkedIn. I don't, <laughs> but they've literally have, it's a really uh, useful platform, but you basically can type in whatever company you want to work for. And you probably don't have a first degree connection, first degree, meaning, you know, someone directly who works there, but you maybe have like a second or a third degree. And those second degree connections are going to be really helpful. So Actually, when I got my internship at Wasserman, I didn't know anybody there, but I typed in Wasserman and then I saw, oh, I know somebody who knows somebody there. 
I ask them for an intro. And whenever you ask someone for an intro, that person is literally possibly doing you one of like the biggest favors that someone can do. Uh, so you really want to make their life as simple as possible. So have your like send them an email, say everything you are, attach your resume to that, make it so they can just forward that email to the person and don't make them have to like summarize your background or kind of have to do anything like that. Um, so I, re I saw somebody on there and I was able to connect with them in January of my senior year. And it was like, it, it was not even about the internship. It was just about introduction and kind of keeping in touch. And I would say that's a really good strength is you don't want to just lead with, Hey, I need, want something from you. You really want to build a relationship because like all business and all life is relationships, but the sports agency world is a hundred, very much so relationships. So I connected with the, him. And then I just stayed in contact. I sent him an email a few months later. Hey, I saw your name in the news or I saw your company did this. And then when the time came for when the internship opened, then I don't have to go through the traditional like portal or the website or where everyone else goes. I can basically send him my info and then he could send it directly to the hiring manager. And that's really critical because it's not going to get you the job 100 percent, but you'll skip probably 70 or 80 percent of the hardest part, which is often just getting out of that uh, candidate pool. So I would say, although it might feel good to just copy and paste the same email and send it to a bunch of different agencies, that's not what you're going to do. It's a people-based industry, so you need to have a people-based approach, and you need to literally find people who work there and build relationships with them. I love helping people out, so if I can be a resource to anybody, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, as well, because it's a very opaque industry to kind of get into, and I would love to kind of help more people get some transparency into it. We Yeah, we definitely appreciate that. I'm like, okay, we can be done now. That's we're just gonna clip that one and give send it to all of our students on like how to use LinkedIn well and and apply for an agency. Because I agree, I think that like there's confusion and a lot of discouragement from students saying like, I just you know I've applied to 25 different things and I haven't heard back from one because they are sent, typically applying and like sending an email to the info or they're applying mass, you know, and, and we've talked to them a ton about having connections and reaching out, but that's a great example, like of how to even reach out to the right person to get you, um, you know, a step ahead of like the 500 to a thousand applicant pool mm -hmm. um, for sure. That's great. And that's, and that's anything in life, not, not even just for sports agencies. Like you owe it, like there's a saying that your network is your net worth. And it's really never been true. Like I've always, and I've actually tried to change this, but I've always kind of been like really independent. I don't like, I don't want to rely on anyone else. I want to get by it on me and that will get you to a certain point. But even now at this stage of my career, I've kind of realized like it's okay to ask for help and reach out to people. And like, you really do want to have these relationships. Like I have relationships with the, our players and clients, and that really does take me a long way. So if anything does happen, I could still work directly with them and be able to help them directly. Um, because that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to clip that 30 seconds uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, by the way, because I think it was the most succinct <laughs> that we've offered thus far uh, to our students because we we rail on them about the importance of using LinkedIn and networking and relationship building and how to start and establish those connections and continue uh, that dialogue uh, along their journey. So I, I really appreciate that insight. Now, as you said, 11 internships, is, if, if I recall correctly. And this is another thing that we keep telling our student body is do as many volunteering and internship opportunities you can get your hands on, A, to get the experience, but B, to get the exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, now, along that journey, and, and obviously, you know, you, you've had a lot of success uh, as you've progressed. How do you think you've evolved uh, in the industry as a person, as a leader, 
uh, innovator, if you will. I know that you've, you've got some pretty great stories uh, associated with your marketing efforts and in, in player development considerations. So what, what does that look like in your day? Yeah, no, I think um, the evolving part's really interesting. I think when anyone has come from the assistant background, the being someone's assistant really puts you in a specific mindset, like you're hyper-focused on these details and you really do become this image to people of like, oh, that's Brandon, he's an assistant. Mm-hmm. And it's great because like, what's great about an assistant is your job kind of has security because as long as your boss is there and your boss is successful, you'll always be an extension of that. Um, but obviously you, you don't want to continue to be an assistant for a long period of time. And the transition out of that is actually very challenging. And I actually hope to write about it soon um, on Medium as well, because once you're not an assistant anymore, um, then it's kind of like, okay, what am I paying you for? Because previously you have your boss. So it's like, okay, that's safe. But now it's like, okay, now you have to prove your self-worth. And it's like, so what are you contributing to the company? And so when I first came out as an assistant, you you take on everything under the sun. You're like, oh, the office needs more furniture. I'll do that. Oh, like we need to get a website. I'll buy the domain. Oh, we need to build the website. I'll find a developer. Like you end up taking on a million different things to try to add value, which is really good initially. But then one of my old bosses, Josh Schwartz, told me, he was like, you actually have to focus in on one area. Um, so I remember it was interesting because you're like, I'm an assistant. I'm focused on this. And then you're not an assistant. You're doing all these things. And then you really have to like kind of hone in on like, okay, this is where I need to focus my best efforts on. So I would really try to like, at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to manage the website. I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. I don't want to deal with that. Like I need to focus on what generates revenue for the company. And that's when I kind of honed in on the player marketing and stuff. So that's what, in terms of evolving in your career, it's a really interesting transition because a lot of people in entertainment and sports, particularly, they get really trapped in kind of the assistant world and like kind of the problems that you deal with in assistant world. And I really just kind of zoomed out on that. I was like, this is great. There's like these issues with like, oh, the phone and answering phones and scheduling meetings. But like, this isn't something I want to have to be like thinking about in a year or two. Like these are kind of small problems. You kind of have to think in terms of like, what can I contribute to the company as a whole that will help with the bottom line. And then in terms of like the player branding and development, all that, um, that's where I just, that's where I found Elaine. And that's where I got really excited about, because to me, it's, I think, I'm biased towards NBA players because I work with them, but I think these athletes really get shortchanged a lot, not only in the media, but just in like the public perception. People think they're very one dimensional. And I think it's really unfortunate because a lot of these players, like it's hard for us on this call to relate to someone who's like six, eight, 220 pounds and super athletic, but they probably like the same music as we do, or they like the same clothes or they play the same video games. Those are much deeper connections to have from a fan to uh, athlete perspective. So the fact that a lot of people weren't tapping into that was frustrating and they would kind of be more so traditional in how they did their player marketing. So I was really kind of, there was a big moment where like gaming really kind of like took over the sports world in like 2016, 2017. And like, I was really like involved with that because I was like, our guys play video. Like people don't realize an NBA player schedule is like, you get to practice at like nine or 10, you -hmm. practice for like a few hours, you have lunch and then you're home by like two or three. And you have the rest of the day to yourself. And these kids are like 19 years old at times. They're playing video games five hours a day. Like that is like, besides basketball, that is like their second thing. So they're very authentic, like video game players and can be very authentic ambassadors. So I really try to take a personal approach to the players because every guy's unique. They all have their own interests and personalities. And I really enjoy doing something that they're passionate about and would honestly do for free. 
obviously we don't want them to do it for free, but they will do it for free. Uh, and then uh, just build out a whole opportunity around that. So, um, and that's a variety of things. That could be like a Romeo Langford or a Marcus Smart. They love Chipotle. So like creating a partnership around that is always fun. Or a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, like he's super big into crypto. So doing something like that with Coinbase or Iman Shumpert, who's super big into fashion. Um, I got him a show on Bleach Report that was sponsored by Gap. And it was all about him being a fashion stylist and didn't really me- didn't mention him at all as a basketball player. And I think that's what's really cool because anyone it's like them being a basketball player. They, yeah, that's what they're initially known for. But they actually have so many more redeeming qualities and it really helps them in their NBA careers. End, and then they have these opportunities and they have these lanes where they're not pigeonholed into like, oh, you're just a basketball player. Oh, you don't you're not on a team anymore. Well, then you're not a basketball player. You don't have an identity now because right. now guys can have these other areas to fall back on. No, it's perfect. You know, speaking of, of some of these areas in your career uh, journey, where if you if you could look back on anything, if there was any specific element you wish you would have known at the beginning of your career that would have helped you propel it further, faster, mm-hmm. what would that have been uh, in, in your, your journey? Yeah. So the big thing I always talk about is um, I worked at too many agencies. Um, and I think that was a very simple mindset of like, I want to work at an agency. So one is better than two, two is better than three, four is better than five. But then when you kind of think about it, it's actually not the most into, it's not the best value add for an agency. So let's say I've done all these internships at various agencies. I make all these great connections. That's great from the perspective of me trying to get a job one day and diversifying. But once I'm, excuse me, once I'm trying to get that job, those relationships aren't useful. Like if I'm trying to work at like an IMG and I previously worked at CAA, what am I going to be like, Hey, do you want an introduction to your competitors? Like that's not going to be useful to them. But like what, what I wish I did really was um, honestly diversify more into the sports realm. So yeah. specifically the brand side. Um, so there's actually um, someone who reached out to me on LinkedIn. His name's uh, Sonny Piplani. It's probably one of the, the best interns I've had. He just incessantly hit me up on LinkedIn. And he had a really good experience where he worked at Li Ning, uh, the Chinese shoe wear company. Hmm. And he has agents reaching out to him to this day who want connections to Li Ning. And that's a really powerful uh, connection to have. So like when you work on the brand side, you in theory have a connection to bringing in revenue for a player. So if I, I wish I worked at a series of brands that activated within the sports space, because then I could go to an agency, I'd be like, oh, look, I can get your XYZ client, at least an introduction and at least something there. And that's a good value add uh, to the agency. So I wish I just diversified more uh, to kind of just not be so like focused on working at an agency um because i think that would have made me a more hol- holistic employee to offer to an agency yeah no that makes good sense all right thank you well, and i feel like it sounds like you've learned too, to almost specialize in what you're offering like your branding or marketing so you know like that's where you're expanding whereas like instead of just a general broad i want to work for a sport agent you've chosen like because this is your like specialty in the agency, now you get to kind of go and be more niche, which sounds like it's appealing to agents because you offer things that maybe like a broad person who's experienced an agency won't have. Because you probably, it sounds like I could be wrong, but you have connections with certain um, different organizations when you are marketing that like, so when you go somewhere, like you, you know, those people and connect your, you can connect your athletes with them. Oh yeah. So like when we were recruiting Romeo Langford, um, I was like, I would, it was in our presentation, like, 
And I, I really, I'm not the type of, I never want to overpromise. I actually feel bad about that. And it probably does hurt my career, not hurt my career, but it does hurt me to a little extent where I probably could say, because I don't like saying things, hey, this is going to happen. I don't like saying that because it, until it happens, I don't want to like, you know, t talk about it because I just don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. But for Romeo, I was like, hey, we've done a series of deals with Chipotle previously. I know you're a big Chipotle fan. I will work uh, tirelessly to try to get you a deal with Chipotle. And I was able to do that uh, several times. And he was able to get the Chipotle celebrity card, which uh, the players just love because they get to go to a Chipotle every day and eat for free. Uh, <laughs> guacamole included. Uh, so it's like a $5,000 value. <laughs> but yeah, you really want to be able to have something tangible. And I think that's with anything in a career is just like, don't get so caught up in like the theoretical or like even if you're at an internship that's useful like you want to have specific takeaways from that like don't just have like oh i learned this lesson like have these three connections that you made or maybe while you were working for the athletic department you made a connection at one of their partner sponsors and then you like built that relationship like there's a lot of things in retrospect i could have did better but i mean at the time i was like 19 so who knows what i was thinking so <laughs> Well, you've done well so far, so I think you're all right. What um okay, and speaking of people and are uh, who are who are three people who've been the most influential to you um in your career journey and why? Yeah, uh I would say the first is uh Happy Walters, obviously who I started as an assistant, uh, as my boss. He really kind of helped me just pull everything together and then he also gave me the opportunity uh to kind of start doing this player marketing. So how it worked out is the person who was in charge of our player marketing had just left the company and no one ever said, Hey, Brandon, like you're going to take this over. And it would probably have been an overstep because at that point I'd only done like some local car dealership deals and I hadn't even done a paid deal at that time. Um, but he really saw in me in my work ethic and saw like, okay, this is a good time to give Brandon this opportunity. And I kind of just took the opportunity and ran with it and just kind of just worked incessantly on it. Um, Another person I would say who's very uh, influential uh, was Amy Ross, um, who is um, Happy's assistant and who actually hired me as a second assistant. She really changed how I approach problems. So I specifically remember when I first started as the second assistant, uh, we, we would sit across from each other in Happy's office over here. Um, I would ask a lot of questions that I could easily have Googled. I don't know if this was just wired in me, but it was not a good habit to have. And one day she was like, so what do you think? And she kept asking me, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, I don't need to be asking her this. Like I only need, I should only ask her after I have gone through every possible circumstance and seen that there's no other option. And I share this lesson today uh, with uh, all my interns because interns a lot of times when you ask people to do something they'll just come back oh well there's this issue or there's this or there's that and i always say like you want to be a problem solver not a problem creator especially if you're someone's assistant you don't want to be coming um i'm giving you something to take it off my mind and so you can deal with it i don't need you coming back and interrupting my workflow or whatever being like oh well here's the issue with this here's the issue with that like there's always going to be a million things in life there's always going to be a million reasons in life to not do something. And if you're the kind of person who finds a reason to do it, you're going to get uh, exponentially farther. So Amy was really influential on that way and really just changing my mindset and basically being like, I need to find every way to do this on my own. And if I really, really can't, it will pain me to have to ask her how to do it because uh, she knows how to do everything.
Um, but I don't want to have to do that and have to bother her because she has everything else she's working with. Um, and then outside of that, I would say my third, um, probably just my dad, just for like the, the work ethic. Uh, he kind of instilled in me from a young age and just trying to be able, just continuing to like work hard and really like perseverance and not give up. I don't think I'm actually, I don't think I'm a particularly like smart person, but I think I do work really hard. And I think that's really, um, that's really what's going to separate people. It's similar to an NBA player. Like you could be super talented, but once you're at the NBA level, it's all about uh, how hard you work. And if you want to actually stay there, you're going to have to work hard. You can't just get by off talent. So uh, that and just having a perseverance in me to just not be built to like give up on things. Uh, Cause in my job, I probably get denied nine out of 10 times or I get ignored and you're, I always say you count your wins, not your losses. So you need to just kind of keep going and not get frustrated. No, it's, it's great advice. You know, speaking of like your career trajectory and all that and agencies in general, how have you seen the industry grow and change and what do you think the hot topics on the horizon might look like? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, it's a great question. Um, so what I've seen in my time, so I started my career in the term of what I call like a mega agency. Mm. So that's when like CAA started in 2006 and they essentially when any of these agencies starts, they acquire a bunch of smaller ones and then they go across a bunch of sports. And what CAA has done really well is, and it really speaks volumes to the sports agency world. CAA is one of the oldest sports agencies. They're barely 15 years old. And that just shows you kind of the nature of the sports agency business in terms of like how the, how the agencies are run and the careers and everything. And like the fact you're able to keep something together that long. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of like the mega agency where a lot of players were like, okay, I don't view myself as just a player. I view myself as a brand, an actor, um, an actress, uh, uh, an investor, a producer and everything like that. So that led to a lot of other mega agencies. So, um, when I was working, we were relativity sports, relativity sports at the time was the second largest agency behind CAA. So we had like 400 clients across baseball, basketball, and football and CAA's value add was like, look, we're not only a sports agency, but we're connected to a talent agency. So if you want to ever like produce uh, content, act, um, do voiceovers, anything like that, we're able to get you opportunities in that. And then relativity. Uh, did something interesting where Relativity was an independent movie studio, which produced movies like Limitless, um, Masterminds, other ones like that. And what they really wanted to do was kind of take it a step further and not only be like, hey, we're not only the agents for these people, we're the ones who are creating this content um, as well. So that's when the kind of the whole realm, like the mega agency has taken off. Uh, I think since then, because of rising salaries, I think a lot of guys view themselves as they rightfully should as like, why does my agent need five other clients? He should just be my guy. So like Kevin Durant, for example, his manager and agent's Richard Kleiman. He has one client. It's Kevin Durant. Uh, that's all he kind of needs, needs. So I think you kind of saw these rounds where like the mega agencies and then players are kind of so like one player can bring in so much commission that you don't really need all that. So then you kind of had um, a return to like, oh, like the boutique model where guys are working at boutique agencies and they want to be at somewhere that's a lot closer. And they feel like, yo, we have the same capabilities as this, but it's a real tighter knit. Um, but then from that, then it always, it kind of goes through the same cycle. And then people, as you're growing as a successful boutique, then you try to get into other sports as well. Um, I think NIL is going to be really big. Um, 
I've mentioned this before, but it really changes the paradigm of how recruiting goes. So previously recruiting used to be like, hey, Brian, I'm trying to sign you. I will, um, I'll be able to get you deals with XYZ company. And you would sign and be like, great, let's do it. Where are the deals? And then a lot of agents, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, they can overpromise and under deliver. But at that point, you're kind of already ingratiated with them so much that it's kind of like, oh, well, it's too late now. It's after the fact. Now the paradigms really shift where uh, players can like test out agencies. So you're seeing a lot of guys sign with, excuse me, you're seeing a lot of guys sign with uh, agencies for NIL representation. So that's them specifically. Um, okay, what marketing deals can you bring me? So you're definitely in the lead to eventually sign that player, but it is yours to lose as well. Um, so that's kind of the biggest kind of change that's been happening. And I think it's for the better because players can now make more uh, informed decisions. Okay. In, in speaking of NIL and obviously some of the, the transitions into that, that realm, how can students prepare themselves for that change in direction, say in professional sports or even at the collegiate levels? Yeah, I would say um, first I would try to get verified on Instagram um, and then Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Those are kind of the big main ones. Um, and then I would really just try to build your following. Like that is what these uh, companies look at at the end of the day and you'll see a lot of the top deals like the twins from fresno state uh they play women's basketball for fresno state which isn't like a powerhouse basketball school by any means um but they have a huge following on TikTok, and that's what's really that's what drives the bottom line for them at the end of the day so i would say like really have your social media in order uh, i would say there's a lot of players who might be a top player coming out, but if you don't have the following to kind of back it up, it's really hard for a brand to see the immediate value add. I mean, everything, I always wonder what it was like to work in this space like 20 years ago when it was just off like cute scores and there was no social media. And it was just like, oh, I think people like this guy. Oh, he was on a commercial. Like, oh, this is great. Like, it was so like arbitrary and there's no way to measure it. Now it's very measured where like, wherever, whenever we do deals with, brands afterwards they're like okay can you send us like the views and like the metrics and they often have their own software software that can measure that as well so i would say really try to not only have a social media uh like a very tidy presence and have followers and engagement and all that engagement mattering more than followers so actually getting people to engage with your posts and have a good engagement ratio um but also having like an interesting kind of edge. And I don't know what that could be. It could be that you play video games for 12 hours a day. It could be that you want to be a fashion designer. It could be that you make music. Um, it could be that you were a walk on and you have a great story. Just some edge in that there's like finding some unique story to tell will make you really different because a lot of players you've seen do really well. They have very interesting stories that people want to talk about generally, you know, like, and oftentimes being a great player isn't the most interesting story it's the most traditional one but um it's 100 cliche at this point like oh a guy started from nothing became a great player it's tried and true and it yeah. works but it's been told a million times if you can have someone who's really coming from a different background or some unique perspective that's really going to separate you when brands are taking a look at you because they all just want to generate earned media which is media you're not paying for essentially so okay. like oh, actually getting clicks and people genuinely being interested in stuff that's what that's when you really know you've hit it with a brand. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. It's so interesting. It reminds me like people can't really relate. They all, not everyone can relate to a, like you said, six, eight basketball player. 
and from even in their story, but there are other areas of their lives that the general population, whether that's in the arts or in music or in, you know, whatever fashion design, that are like, oh yeah, like I can, I'm into that too. So again, it's relational. Like it's a being able to stay connected almost to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And so, what when you're talking like if you're giving the students the honest truth about working in a sport agency, what are some, um, what are some things they should consider um, when they're trying to pursue uh, a job or internship in that arena? Yeah. Um, so first I would say like the positives of working at a sports agency. Um, if you kind of look at like, let's just take the NBA landscape at the center of everything is the players. So the players have all the control. They drive the views, they drive the social media. They're the reason brands are sponsoring. They're what people watch on the court. So like, the players are the core um, and the agency is right next to that. So you're right next to the most powerful part of the ecosystem. Uh, with that, you the opportunities are really endless. So from the sense of like, if I work with a player, he can come get a podcast, he can get a deal with Chipotle, he can get a deal with a cash app, he could start a YouTube channel, I could talk to Dapper Labs, I could talk to the MBPA, I could talk to ESPN. You're really at the center of the ecosystem and you're right near, right there, right next to this person. So there's a tremendous upside in like, the sky is really the limit. At an agency, you're not really kind of confined by anything or it's not like at a team where there's only X amount of games a year or we only have a player for X amount of hours a year. Uh, so you're really kind of inside and ingratiated with the players. Now, the downside of that in the agency world is that while these brands may love you and these partners might love you um, and they might think you're a great person, they're not talking to you for you at the end of the day. They're talking to you because of who you represent. So if you no longer represent that person, then you really don't have a lot of value uh, to them. So there's very high ceilings, but there's very low floors uh, in the agency space. And the agency space is incredibly competitive and tough. Um, I don't know what, I mean, there's essentially two sides to it. There's the player marketing, which I do. And then there's a the player agent side player agent side, you have to be comfortable going to sleep every night, knowing someone is trying to steal your clients uh, pretty much all the time. And it's never been easier to reach them. Previously, I imagine it was kind of nice because it's like, oh, you don't have this guy's phone number. Like maybe you'll see him at a game, but there's not that much. Now you can just get numbers from other players. They have cell phones, they have Instagram. You can just DM. Like we've had agencies DM our guys uh, trying to sign them. Like it's a whole space and um, it's really just from that perspective, very challenging where you kind of always have to constantly be on your toes. And then even if you do do right by a guy, oftentimes it's not enough. And sometimes guys just want to change your pace. So there'll be times when it, and it feels like a breakup, honestly, because these are people that you were talking to like maybe every day for like a number of years. And like, it could be a player that you helped sign and like they were just 19 or something. And like you helped like, move them in and you help like get them like and all this stuff and like oh maybe help them get to their new city and like find their first apartment and then one day it's just like oh they stop answering your texts and that's kind of uh the end of it so it's not for the faint of heart and you really just do have to really be passionate about the work i mean it's kind of like with anything but like my the, the reason i do it's not like there are some nice perks of working at an agency like oh if you're close with the player he could leave you tickets for a game um, so like we used to represent a guy in the LA Clippers. So I would, I probably went to like 25 or 30 Clipper games, uh, during the season. That's a really cool experience, but you also have to realize like, that's not always going to last. And then if that relationship, uh, 
if that relationship doesn't sustain itself, then uh, it's not going to keep going into the future as well. But that's not a reason to do a job because I had to be an assistant for a year and a half and I wasn't going to games as an assistant, you know, and I had to like, that was a honestly, a very honestly hard job. I didn't want to say terrible because <laughs> it was hard just because like my boss specifically traveled like 180 days a year. And when he's traveling, you have to kind of plan that and you have to be available and you're in different time zones and like, oh, you're, yeah, you have to sleep with your phone on. Like yeah. it's not, it's really not the best experience. And what's going to get you through that is if you have like a clear why and why you want to do that. And my thing is like, I really love seeing these guys grow from like 19 year old players to guys who start families and like have kids and like really help setting them up and building them for their career during basketball, but also after basketball as well. So that's what my motivator is. So um, I would say a lot of people who want to work at an agency really have a, <clears throat> a misconception of what it's like because when do you you really don't see agents you know you hear about them on the news and then you see them at the nba draft like sitting at the table with the family and you're like oh that's a cool job i'll do that and like what you don't know is like that agent could be getting fired while they're sitting at that table or like their client could be getting traded or like they could be falling in the draft boards and then it's like didn't you tell me we're going top 15 and now we're going 30th like what happened here um so I think anything in life, uh, everything's not as good as it seems, but if you do genuinely enjoy the work, it could be a really rewarding uh, profession. And it's a very small industry as well. And if you do um, do good work by people, the word does get around. So that is rewarding in that sense as well. Yeah, I thought the uh, legal world was cutthroat until they pranked it. So. Yeah. Uh, so beyond that, though, you've talked a lot about internships and your role you played as being one, and you explained or expressed that you've had a couple, uh, maybe even you maintain a few all at one time. What are you looking for uh, in internships and, and or interns in the hiring of students as they, uh, you know, graduate from colleges and whatnot for these jobs? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, I don't want you to say you want to work in sports because you've been a sports fan your entire life. I cannot echo that enough. <laughs> it's true. Everyone's a sports fan. I, I literally Googled it and you know, I found a statistic that said 70% of the U.S. are sports fans. So like you're not only not differentiating yourself, is you're wasting a really good opportunity to tell people why you're um, like why you want to do this job. So you really have to find your why. In that sense and then what i really look for is i just want to see people who've taken something from start to finish so there's people who can do things um it's like oh i've taken these classes and i've done this and that but i think when someone starts something on their own and they've really built their own kind of whatever it is like maybe a blog or maybe they've done their own nil deals yeah. or maybe it's something like that that is what i really value um i just want to see somebody who can take something from start to finish and show because even just doing that is actually so revealing of who they are as a person because when you're doing something like a you had to come up with this idea so you had some original thought then you actually took action on it then you probably encountered some issues so you had to probably iterate or find ways to make it work and then you're doing the work to sustain it as well i think that's kind of the most telling aspect of what you can really show uh if you're trying to work for somebody and then I mean, the in, if you're going in with the internship, that's always great. And then obviously, um, sorry, um, that obviously just being um, kind of knowing what's going on in the industry as well and being able to speak about it uh, is very knowledgeable. From the job perspective, if you're not interviewing for uh, um, an, 
uh, assistant role, then you need to have a clear value add, like bottom line, how are you gonna help the agency generate revenue? You might not have to at this point, but that's really where your mindset should be because then you're gonna align yourself with your future growth there. So okay. it depends versus uh, internship versus agency or versus uh, full-time. I'm almost sensing like a entrepreneurial type person, uh, just independent go-getter, you know, creating, building uh, and seeing it through. So. Uh, that's that's good insight uh, to provide. I have a student right now who, who is creating custom shoes, uh, mm -hmm. and trying to look into the branding and the name image likeness space. So yeah, I, I love that, uh, you know, creativity and or uh, desire to to you know try to connect with students and or create opportunities for her and or uh, others uh, in, in, uh, in in the sport world. So that's great. Beyond that. Is there a way for our students to connect with you in some capacity where if they wanted to kind of pick up on an additional, you know, dialogue or conversation about what you're you're uh, discussing today, that you'd be willing to kind of connect with them uh, on that platform and engage? Yeah, no, 100 uh, percent. I would say my LinkedIn is the best place to reach out to me. Okay. So it's just my name, Brandon Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of the best way, but just the best place to connect with me. Just shoot me a message. Um, although I will say, like. I do get a lot of incoming messages. Yeah. So the ones that do break through or like I have people who reach out and say like, hey, we have similar friends we should connect or like we're in similar circles or like they just use the generic um, kind of lesson. If you could really customize it, that okay. really helps uh, separate whether it's you went to the same school as me, you work for this team or just compliment them on something they've done publicly. Like that's always like people love to be complimented and they love to talk about themselves. Um, yeah. so like, if you could like tap into that, right? Sure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so true though, but I just think it's funny that you're like literally saying. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I'm pragmatic about I'll it. I always but, open those, I promise. Just like you're, you're saying, it's like, oh yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but just take time and effort. Cause like, even if you're off, especially if you're a college student, even if you say something like completely egregious, but I could see you put in effort. Right. I'm going to still like, I'd be like, all right, there you like, they're young, maybe they don't fully understand, right. but I see the effort is here and they just kind of need to be pointed in the right direction. So I would gladly help, but don't okay. just, you know, um, send 500 like requests on LinkedIn, type an agency and add everybody at once. Be like, all right, that was a good day's work. Cause basically uh, I used to have a teacher in um, high school and his saying was crap in crap out. Right. Um, so if you put in like a poor effort, you're going to get a poor effort back. So you, you need to actually, um, if you put an effort, hopefully they'll be able to. And if not, you just keep trying. Like you can't, you like someone's gonna, eventually going to hit. Um, so that's all you really have to focus on. Perfect. No, that's great advice. Uh, now, beyond the fun that we've had having this conversation, we also like to go a little bit further. Mm -hmm. We have this rapid fire Q&A session that we do just to kind of tell you. Now, I promise it's chock full of lighthearted questions, so no worries. Oh, okay. said, I'm going to hand it over to Shelly. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I didn't send you these because we typically don't send them to our guests. It's only one minute. You can pass on any question. Um, and it's kind of one of those, whatever comes to the top of your mind when I ask the question. Um, but I'm going to set a timer and we're just going to see how many you get through. Are you right. ready? Awesome. I'm going to call my PR person first about that. <laughs> we, we'll edit out anything you need. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that's great. <laughs> okay, here we go. When you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? An NBA player. Uh, favorite sport to play? Uh, basketball. What's the worst haircut you've ever had? A bowl cut. <laughs> Name two daily habits. Um, 
Uh, drinking a lot of water uh, and eating salad. <laughs> Favorite zoo animal? Ooh, uh, lion. First job? Oh, man. Um, I was a camp counselor at a summer camp uh, near my house, um, which okay. is a very stressful job. <laughs> <laughs> Mountains or beaches? Um, the mountains when they lead into the beach. So very LA specific answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. LinkedIn or Twitter? LinkedIn. Favorite type of food? Um, is a salad a type of food? I guess not. No, no it is. Yeah. And favorite holiday? Last one. Um, for drinking 4th of July for not Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There you Perfect. go. Those are yeah, great California-esque answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have another favorite food besides a salad. I regret that one. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. So, so, Brandon, it's been a real pleasure. We appreciate you joining us today and taking the time to share your professional endeavors. Uh, I am certain that University of Florida Department of Sport Management, our students, faculty, and or alumni appreciate and value your thoughts. Uh, with that said, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at, at UFSPM. We are your hosts, Brian Avery. And Shelly Lyle. We like to close with little go Gators, right? We are Gator Child. There you go. <laughs> Not to mention, Brandon, you're the first to be in our podcast studio. Uh, as you yeah. can see behind, you've got the UFSPM logo. So, oh, yeah. Uh, you yes, we we are not in it together at this point. <laughs> not yet. Shortly after uh, after COVID, but uh, but yeah. So thank you again, Brandon, for joining us today. I appreciate it. I'm excited to connect with some of the students. Perfect. No, and we I'm sure they're going to be very excited to connect with you. So, all right. Thank you.